Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton. This podcast will seek to define and explain this important question from multiple points of view. We will interview owners, breeders, caregivers, defenders, advocates, champions, and educators. The mission of my podcast is to seek and foster collaborative conversations where every point of view feels heard, acknowledged, and appreciated. I look forward to you joining me on this journey toward a better understanding of each other. It is possible to have an impossible conversation. It starts with listening for common ground first. I am so glad you're here listening in with me. Now let's see what my next guest has to say. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton, and I'm here with Dr. Elizabeth Colleron, who is one of only 84 feline specialty veterinarians in the world. She's the former president of the American Association of Feline Practitioners, and now she is sort of coordinating the Cat-Friendly Practice Task Force, because we all know that cats are really incredibly wonderful pets. I, of course, only found that out about two years ago when I got a grandkitty named Jane, um, who I will share the picture of in this podcast listing so everyone can meet Jane. But Dr. Colloran, thank you so much for being here and for joining us on Why Do Pets Matter? Oh, it's a pleasure to, to be here. I, you know, I, can never, I never tire of talking about cats anyway. So, and, and you're a, a friend of mine, so it's really wonderful to see you. I know, especially in these times that are a little bit different than normal. So I'm so grateful you had time in your schedule to take care of us and let us know uh, why do pets matter to you? And then we're going to talk about why do pets matter in the great scheme of things. Well, you know, I'm um, unusual background for a veterinarian. Um, I was I never had a pet of my own when I was a kid. And I was a, a marketing and sales person in IBM and decided that the thing that I wanted to do for my life was not the same as making money for shareholders. And I wanted to find a way to do something useful and worthwhile in the animal world. And, and that sent me to vet school, despite, and, and of course, a strong desire to have a pet of my own, which I did by that time. And I realized what a tremendous amount of love and consideration and care I got from my cat and dog. And so, um, it, it just made sense to me to change my life to a, to something that would give give back in that world. I'm so grateful you shared that because a lot of people don't have pets when they're younger. And then when they do finally bring a pet into their life, it's so impactful. Some of us have been lucky enough to have parents who brought pets in when we were younger. I had a schnauzer when I was five and an Irish setter from the time I was, I think, around 13 until 61, and I'm still going strong with those crazy Irish setters. So right there, you know all about me. If I have Irish setters, <laughs> craziness. Yeah. Enough. But um, yeah. I simply um, never had a cat because my husband's allergic to it, and I don't think my mother would have gone there anyway. Uh, but my son got a cat, and I just love Jane. So tell us a little bit more about why do pets matter as a as felines, because you're so engrossed in, in felines and their care um, and the health issues they might have that owners need to be aware of. Tell us a little bit more why you focus so much on felines. Well, first of all, they're fascinating. They are very different than dogs. They, they are a unique species. 
that is um, a hyper carnivore. They are territorial. They, in the wild, they evolved from, from this remarkable solitary hunter who took care of him or herself forever and, and ate small things because there, were only, there was only one person, one being to feed. And they evolved into this amazing companion. They're unlike any other feline species. Cats began to love us and want, want to be with us in a way that has never been duplicated in any other species. And I have a whole hour long lecture that I would love to give sometime on how to know your cat loves you. And oh, I, I, would, Kyle, I would love to be part of that. Don't let me miss that. It, it's just, it's true that they, they, in ways that are in some ways subtle, and otherwise, once you learn a little bit more about how cats interact with each other, you get a feeling for just what they're saying to you with their body language. The funny part is, though, cats don't talk to each other. And so if your cat talks to you, it's because you haven't been able to translate the communication from feline into human in such a way that they feel like they're being understood. And so cats learn to yell at us because we're so obtuse. I love that. So dogs can sometimes do that too, but usually it's let's go out now and things like that. But I think cats really let you know exactly what they want. They do. And they get a little frustrated when we don't know what they're talking about, you know, but you can learn to, to read them in, a, in just the same way as you do dogs. They just have a different set of languages that they need to communicate with us. But they are incredibly loving animals. And, and one of the beautiful things now in this time is that people are home and lonely and bored and frustrated and scared. And what they've got at home now, is especially is their, their cats and dogs. In, in my world, of course, it's the cats, but um, I've never appreciated more how important these family members are. You're so right, because um, we bred one of my dogs and we didn't think it took we thought she had lost the litter and she actually ended up with two puppies which is small for an irish setter litter but oh my god i've shared photographs and videos on the internet and the response has been huge because everybody is looking for something really wonderful to watch or to experience um right now and i think our pets are probably keeping us um from becoming stir crazy well, there's something really wonderful about the human-animal bond, and, and they, the, the important thing there, though, is, and you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, the important thing there is that it's a two-way street. You know, part, we get so much from them, and we have to remember that we have to give stuff back. Like, cats are very territorial. They like things to be predictable. They don't like change. And so at a time when we're all emotionally kind of fraught, we need to take a minute and breathe with them and sit with them and, and re-engage in all of the behaviors that, that they have come to expect from us. Right. If we're at work all day long and now we're at home all day long, I know my dogs um, want to take their nap when they used to take their nap and they're sort of wondering why I take a walk then. They're like, wait a minute, it's nap time. Uh, but cats are sort of like that too. They have their rituals that they do. And if you're home, it sort of throws them off as well. And, and what you were alluding to before when we were talking about this is when service animals are being used now in a home base as opposed to, you know, going to work, their, their schedule and routine is off as well. We really do have to take a minute and recognize 
they may not be so happy that we're around all the time because it's so different for them. It's, it's very, you know, cats are very, they really do like routine, just, you know, maybe even a little bit more than dogs do. And, and so when you change it all up, you know, you, you have to recognize that you're stressing out your cat, you know, a little bit. And so it's a really good time to think about how to calm yourself and, and calm your family members, regardless of whether they have two or four legs, to, to take a little bit of time and just breathe. You know what I have found um, with colleagues of mine when I've been on a few of these Zoom webinars, the cats are so much more likely to become part of the video. They just walk <laughs> over the keys or they walk on the shoulder. You know, dogs will jump on you and stuff. But the cats are like, wait a minute, you've been on there for 20 minutes. I'm done now. You need to pay attention. Yeah, yeah. it's time for me. It's a little me time, you know. And in fact, I had a Zoom meeting yesterday and that happened and you know, there was a nice big close-up of a cat's butt. Yeah. And you know what? Good thing it was all those feline veterinarians as well. Yeah. Um, Dr. Cohen, tell me again, what's going on now with veterinary medicine in this time? I know that it's considered one of the vital services, so they're all open, but it's done so differently now. Yeah, we, were, we are um, not allowing uh, humans into the hospital. So um, the, the client brings us the cat and the carrier is put outside the car. Um, we've asked people to fill out a form that talks about why they're here so that, you know, and they can email that to us so we're not even bringing a piece of paper from a, a household into the hospital. And, um, and then we're setting up um, basically video conferencing so that the client can experience the exam that's taking place inside the hospital by seeing video of it. And then they can ask the doctor questions. The doctor can answer them or ask their own questions. And so we're, we're doing everything we can to, to make sure that people aren't afraid of what's happening. You know, you, you know all about how terrified people get when you take your dog in the back, you know, and it's like, yep. oh, my God, what are they going to do to my dog? So it's that same thing, you know, we want them to experience what we're doing so that they can have confidence that we're taking really good gentle care and that we're um, employing all of the cat-friendly practice techniques we do to keep the stress low and, and keep the cat calm so that we can do, do the best possible medicine. So yeah, it's a really different world out there now, but we're, we're still, healthcare is really important. And one of the things I found out in a big meeting um, day before yesterday is that the shelters are closing and um, they're not doing spays and neuters anymore. They're not um, re requiring people to have the cats spayed and neutered before they're adopted. And they're trying to get all the cats in, out of the shelters to make room for what could potentially be cats from COVID-19 households. And so this huge undertaking is a, um, making for a, an influx of a tremendous number of adoptions and it's kitten season. So this is a very um, busy time for us and we're still, we're just trying to navigate our patient care. It's so interesting you said that because I am, um, one of my clients is a TNR group here in New York um, and they are trying to get the town to continue their work, but it's closed. So they don't want to deal with TNR. It's not high on their list yet. As we all know, in the springtime, late winter, early spring, lots of kittens are born. 
Yeah, and that's not going to change. You know, COVID-19 isn't going to change the fertility rate. And so, you know, down the road, we're going to have a tremendous issue that we're going to have to address. And for right now, the good news is, is that people, because they, they have time and because they're lonely and because there's a huge need, they're adopting. And, um, and so we're seeing lots of new um, patients every day. Well, that's always the best um, medicine. And, and hopefully they will um, be able to get to the point where they are comfortable with their pet when they have to return to work, which hopefully we all hope is soon, uh, but that they will be comfortable with the pet and the pet will be comfortable with them. Yeah, you know, this is a time to, to you know, if you ad adopt a new cat to get to know them, you know, and not have the pressures of eight or 10 hours worth of work every day. And, you know, there's, there's something to be said for taking some time to integrate this new family member into the household. Dr. Cullerin, let me ask you a question. You said something before and it really spurred me because I'm, I'm giving a program about what to do if you get COVID-19 with your pet. Um, but also there's different beliefs with respect to whether or not you can get COVID-19 from your pets. So first, let's discuss what to do um, or what kind of plan you should have in place for your pet if you get sick, and then whether or not you can get sick from your pet. Well, the, it's really important to have, a if you can have someone agree, some another family member or somebody else, that if you get the virus, that somebody else will take care of your, your cat. The shelters are gonna be reserved as a last resort um, and they're, they're setting aside special wings and, and training their staff. But to the extent that we can keep them from any type of crowding and any type of stress, remember, one of the things they tell you about an infectious disease is to get a lot of sleep and stay calm because stress is a huge issue when it comes to immune function. So putting, putting the cat into a place where they at least may know somebody that's in that household is a huge part of it. Now, for the science part, this, this was part of that meeting I went to. At least right now, there's no evidence that cats or dogs can transmit COVID-19 to humans. In, in Hong Kong, I think it was, there were 28 cats, dogs, and two cats who were uh, positive for COVID-19, and none of them got sick, and, and I think only, I don't think any of them, or maybe just a few, zero converted, and there was no evidence that the virus could be spread to humans. So at least for now, unless the science changes, you can be confident that that cat will not make someone else sick. So you can say to a family member, please take care of my cat. I, this cat will not make you sick. So is it is it likely that if you come down with COVID-19, if you test positive, that you might have shed some of the virus that the cat or dog might have picked up? Yeah, they can pick it up in their fur. You know, it lives in the environment for a few days, um, especially on non-porous surfaces. Um, up to three days is what the, the scientists are telling us. They did it. There's a paper that just was published this week that showed that um, if you inoculate cardboard with virus, there's no evidence of virus present in 24 hours. So that, that means, that, therefore, that that thing that you contaminated very deliberately doesn't have any more virus. So it's not as bad as we thought it might be, but it does live in the environment, and the cats and dogs can pick it up. But the fact that they have fur that's porous means that it's highly unlikely that they could be a fomite. Yeah. So 
you know, your plastic furniture is more likely to transmit COVID-19 than your dog or cat. So that's a good thing to know for all pet owners because we're all sheltering in place now. Um, we all are, are trying not to have COVID-19, but if we do get symptoms or whatever, uh, being able to, in, in my talk next week, I'll talk about actually getting in touch with your neighbors because your family members might not be able to come and help because they live far away, right? And we're, and right. All of and, we're quarantined. Yeah, a plan is what you need. However that looks in your world and your life, you know, whether that's, um, you know, a family member or a neighbor or a house sitter or whatever, you know, we all have people we love and that they love us back. And so um, finding someone that would willingly do that is, is has to be part of the contingency plan for this virus. You know, it's so interesting to talk to you about this because cats are not as mobily welcoming, let's put it that way to move to a new environment as a dog. Dogs actually would sometimes like the new environment. Um, cats, as you said, are very territorial, really, you know, I think, because um, Jane doesn't really like me very much yet and I try my damnedest, uh, they really like one person. Well, not, not necessarily. I mean, some cats are really people cats and, and you know, they really do um, like to visit. I have two of my cats right, that I have right now are very much people cats. You know, I've, when, when I used to have company for dinner and so, so on, they would come out and hang out with people and, and all that. So they were pre, they're pretty well socialized. But you're right, some cats are not. It depends on how, how early they were socialized as babies. If they're not socialized to be with humans between two and seven weeks, they're not going to be very good at it. But the other part of it is, you know, we always talk about separation anxiety in dogs. This is, this is separation anxiety in cats. Is about moving them out of their home range, and so the, to the extent that we cannot move them, it, it minimizes their stress enormously. They have separation anxiety about place. You know, it it's so interesting when we think about bringing our cats to a veterinarian. There are two kinds of veterinarians: there are the ones that have an all animal practice, and then there are the specialists that you really work with who simply deal with cats. Tell us a little bit more about what the benefits are, because I think they're huge, um, going to a veterinarian who really focuses on cats. Well, I think it actually falls into two buckets, and, and one of the buckets that really brought me into, the, into this form of medicine is that I'm not a, I don't really like knowing a whole lot of uh, a, whole, a little bit about a whole lot of things. I really like the focus and the depth of knowledge that I can acquire just by focusing on one species. And what that basically means is that we, because of that, we do things differently from a medical therapy point of view. We have different skill sets. And so the cats in, in many respects will, um, will benefit by that focus on the part of the veterinarians in terms of developing their skills. The other part of it is really cat-friendly practice-oriented. You know, we don't have barking dogs. There's no dog smells. We walk slowly. We speak softly. We engage with these cats in a way that, that keeps their stress level as low as we can keep it, despite the fact that they're outside of their home range. And by doing that, we can then perform the, the test or perform the therapy that the cats need. You know, you get to the point of, of uh, arousal in these guys and they and you get to the point where you have to stop because you can't you can't make them any matter you know and so we 
we can get all the way through our therapeutic plan because the cats aren't that worked up. And, it, and, and they go home and, and they, you know, they reintegrate into the household really well. And, and you know, it's just a whole different experience for them. And it means better medicine. It does mean better medicine for the cats that are so near and dear to our hearts. Um, I know that in my vet's practice, she does both. However, it's more likely she gets bitten by a cat than she does by a dog. And likely because I don't know that general practices do the slower talk, the slow, the softer talk, the slower movement, which really enables cats to um, settle a little bit more easily. Absolutely. And, and I will tell you that there are only two reasons that cats behave badly in the veterinary setting. The first one is fear and the second one is pain. And in older cats, sometimes it's both. And so if, you know, one of the things we often do is we will um, make sure that these cats, if they are older, they might even get a little pain medication before they come in. So that they are just, if they have arthritis, it's not going to be bothering them when we have to take an x-ray or, or draw some blood, things like that, to, that. Those two things, cats are not mean, vicious, or any of those other bad words that people use. They're just terrified. You know, and, and they act that way because they can't get out of the situation they're in. They cannot figure out a way to run away. And because they can't figure out a, a, a way to get to run away, they're going to turn and fight. Just because they need to take care of themselves. Right. Well, that goes back to where they came from, right? I mean, the path they yeah. evolved from um, are more aggressive, really, than the wolves that dogs evolved from. I would, I would think. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, they're very territorial, and so the first thing you do is take them out of their home range, and that scares the bejesus out of them. And then you put them in with a bunch of, of strangers, right? And, and that, you know, they're not good with strangers. They don't, they don't trust very well. And, and my, old, my lab would just, you know, all I had to do was give him a hot dog, and he'd be fine in a, in a veterinary setting. But these guys, you know, because they're solitary creatures, any stranger is a threat and so when when you think of it that way you it's not hard to imagine why they're afraid and usually unfortunately i think and maybe i'm wrong please i hope i am but most people with cats don't bring cats to the vet unless they're sick well you know the really good cat owners believe in preventative care and they do the things that we you know want them to do and particularly as cats get older they tend to be very um subtle about demonstrating the fact that they're not well. And so what people say to me is, you know, he's just getting old or no, he's fine. I don't need to bring him in. And what they don't appreciate is because we're such poor observers of feline behavior, they're missing out on a tremendous amount of information about the things that are going on with these cats. And so they think they're fine and they're really not. But the preventative care is, is you know, that's the key to longevity. I mean, I used to think that a 15-year-old cat was an old cat 20 years ago. Now I have a whole bunch of 20-somethings in the practice, you know. So good nutrition, good health care, you know, and, and, and a loving family means that these cats are living much longer, um, much happier lives. And I think people are understanding that, especially cat owners, are becoming more involved with the health of their cats because they know that um, preventative wellness checks um, are going to work so much better because they've worked so much better on their dogs. And so maybe the correlation is, well, I take my dog all the time and 
and okay, cats don't like to go to the vet more so than dogs don't like to go to the vet. The vet doesn't like to see the cat if un unless it's a focused vet like you. Um, and so I'm just not gonna fight with the cat. But now because cats have become such a bigger part of our lives, I mean, the number of cats that are becoming pets is growing in leaps and bounds because of the ease of care uh, that people are starting to do wellness checks. Oh yeah, and millennials love cats. Uh, the last time I looked, there's more companion animal cats than dogs in North America now. So, you know, people are finding them to be wonderful house, housemates and family members. And so, the, and the medicine's evolving too. Now with cat-friendly practice and other techniques like that, it's not so bad for these cats to get the medical care that they need. They really are starting to, most veterinary practices are starting to recognize the need for um, some cat-friendly ability. And, and if they aren't strictly cat-friendly, I don't know, you, you know most of the cat practitioners, they sort of drag a cat practitioner in once or twice a week to make sure they are more cat-friendly on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Well, yeah, and that's, in fact, there's, we, the, the day is called Catter Day, you know, and it's a Wednesday or Thursday, and the, the veterinarian on the staff that, that really likes cats does all the cat work on that day. And so there are all kinds of ways to make it easier on cats to, to, um, to have a better experience, even if you can't get everybody to focus on it. There's always somebody in the practice that likes cats. So now that we're totally enamored with cats, and I do love Jane, and I have to say that um, she was completely well socialized by my son. I just think I give off a really bad dog odor uh, that probably does not attract her uh, to me. But I digress. Uh, so my son has really created a cat because she does come out, which I always feel I just like when cats come out. I don't have to touch them. I can talk to them from afar. I'm good with that. I can pet them if they'll come up to me. That's great. Uh, but what are some of the signs that cat owners can look for um, that really need to be followed up on? Like if the cat's sleeping too much, I mean, I know if my dogs don't eat or my dogs don't, you know, jump on me when they're older, that there's some sign that I need to get further discussion with my vet? Probably one of the most common ones is, is in any cat over nine years old, just about all of them have some form of osteoarthritis. So if the cat is like a little hesitant about jumping off the counter that they used to jump on really readily, or, or takes a step down to a chair before jumping to the floor, or um, goes up the stairs and, and takes a, a break in the middle of the stairs on the way up, those kinds of just really subtle things that nobody pays any attention to are signs that this cat's got some significant skeletal pain. I mean, and if I, if I could get everybody just to focus on that, the quality of life for, the, for these older cats would go up exponentially. And their teeth, I think, because I know with- Well, that too, yeah. Their teeth are key. I, when my son got, his, got Jane, I said to him, I don't care what you do, but you have to have her teeth checked every year. Said, oh, yeah. I mean, dental pain is the same in cats as it is in people, you know, and they don't brush. And so, you know, the, the decay is, is, is the same neurologic pain pathway for them as it is for us. So quality of life just demands that that be regularly cared for. And can you brush a cat's teeth? I think my son does. I think he puts that little rubber thing on with the little fingers. Yeah. He brushes her teeth because, you know, he grew up with me doing that with the puppies and then with the bigger dogs. So it just was natural for him to make Jane a dog. I like your son already. <laughs> I haven't even met him. 
I just think it's, yeah, you can. You, you, once you get a cat used to it, you know, and you can follow it up with a really highly, highly valued treat, you know, the treat training is, works just as well in cats as it does in dogs. Yeah, they, they're no dopes. It probably works no. faster on cats, right? Because they probably. go, and uh, they might teach you a few tricks so they get more treats. Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's an absolute, they, they teach us every bit as much as we teach them or maybe more. Elizabeth, we talked about so much here. I, I just want to go back to review that, you know, we, we talked about the language that you have to pick up on as a cat owner or else your cat will tell you you're not picking up on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, and they'll say, you know, they'll yell at you like, why aren't you paying attention to the fact that I'm telling you I'm hungry? Yeah. Or telling you that I need to go, I want to go out in the catio and play for a while, or I want to play with my toy or whatever. Or you and need to clean out. the litter box. Yeah, yeah, well, there's that. Well, Jane um, tells you that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's good for her. That's yeah, awesome. and, and she's very clean, so it's sort of like one and done. And I, I sat there and he goes, Mom, I just really wish she'd use it maybe twice. And I go, Well, you know, she's very clean. She sounds like a lover. She Where is, is she? Uh, she's in North Hollywood, so she's on your neck of the woods, but she's south of oh. you. Yes, indeed, by a lot. By and a I'm lot. Gonna... Otherwise, he would be in your practice, I'm sure, because I would have told him about you. So uh, it's oh. a little <laughs> Thank, you. Um, Thank you. But so, you know, with COVID, really make a plan for your pet. Um, it, it, with or without COVID, you should have a plan for your pet because we all don't have a crystal ball and know if we're going to get sick. But now, clearly, there is more of a risk of getting sick. So make a plan for your pet right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And don't worry that your cat, even if you get the virus, don't worry that your cat might give it to somebody else because they won't. So it's, a, it's one of those things where there, if you get a, if you can get a plan in place, there's no risk to the person that's helping you. That is so key because I know that I've been, I've been writing about that um, on Facebook and, and Twitter because I've been reading all the, art, the documents that are coming out of vet partners and other veterinary um, groups mm-hmm. so that people won't be afraid because I have a lot of pet owners who um, read what I do and I don't profess to be a veterinarian. I usually give them the link to the article so they can read it themselves, but I summarize by saying, listen, it's unlikely. And so, and I, of course, say, just use an herbal wipe down. If you really need to, you know, make sure, just use an herbal wipe down on the dog or the cat and it'll give you peace of mind. Yeah, um, sure. Yep. <laughs> and, beyond it, and, it, plug it, and plug in a feel away. You know, the feel away diffusers are, are a terrific way to, to calm an environment down a little bit for cats if you have to move them. That is great because I use that for my dogs during thunderstorms, the the dog ones, the dog mm-hmm. things so that they yeah. come down during thunderstorms. Um, I want to also point out that um, Dr. Coloran pointed out that we should always go to wellness cat checks as opposed to just response to maybe my cat's not feeling well today. Um, vet risk. You know, and, vet- and the other thing is everybody Googles everything now, you know, and, and there are, I'm just going to plug one thing, and that is that there's a curated website curated by people like me called catfriendly.com, and we make sure that all every word that's in that website is curated by a veterinarian, and so you can actually, there's really good information out there. You just need to know where to look. And Googling something, a symptom or something like that, is just not going to cut it. You need to find those curated websites where you can get really good information. 
I thank you so much for that. So we're going to put that in the notes of the podcast, everyone, so that you all know where to go to get curated information by real veterinarians who are focused on cats, because it is about being focused on these wonderful beings who are different, but in a good Indeed way. they are. In a Indeed good way. they are. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. We're on Why Do Pets Matter, hosted by me, Deborah Hamilton, and I look forward to all of you coming back next week to hear our next installment, Why Do Pets Matter? You've been listening to the podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? This is Deborah Hamilton. Do you have a great idea or guest or topic that you'd like me to cover? Write me at Hamilton Law and Mediation dot com or email me at why do pets matter podcast at gmail.com until next week our pets do matter thank you for being here with me